0: and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, Pastor Dana takes a look at our calling by God and what excuses we might be using for not following that call. Let's listen. I remember my first day of seminary quite well. I showed up on campus for an 8 a.m. orientation, and for orientation, I was going to be with all of the other students that were first-year students at seminary. And so we gathered together ag- in this big room to eat breakfast and to have some icebreakers so that we can get to know the other people that we're gonna be spending the next three grueling years of our lives with. So as we enter this room together, we're introducing ourselves and we're asked to share our call story. So what led us, called us to enroll in seminary. And so as I heard, all the different stories, I started to notice how there were some similarities, but also a lot of differences. In that room, there was a wide range of folks. Some of the people in that room were quite young. They had just finished undergrad, and they possessed this unwavering conviction. They knew their whole life long that they were going to go in ministry, into ministry. And so once they graduated from undergrad, they went on and enrolled in Uh, seminary. Some of the other students that were there, which I was part of this group, they were a little bit older. They were second and third career students. So they had already worked a career or two in their lifetime prior to finally enrolling in seminary. And as I listened to this group of individuals, the second and third career students, I heard a consistent theme of how God had been calling them for decades but they weren't willing to answer that call. For those individuals, they described God's call as this resounding message, a constant nudging, and they went decades ignoring that call and ignoring the nudging, which created this uneasiness, this restlessness in their soul, until finally one day they enrolled in seminary. And I will never forget one of the second career students that was there, She was 84 years old. She was one of the oldest students to actually go through seminary. And she described her call as something that occurred over the course of 40 years. And she just kept running from it. She was running from it because she was married and she had kids and she couldn't think or she didn't think she would be able to re-enroll in school and take on student loans and not actually be contributing to the household income. And she said the longer that she ran from God's call, the more that sense of uneasiness and restlessness in her soul grew. And she concluded by saying that as she drove to seminary that morning, that was the first time that she had a sense of peace and that uneasiness finally started to dissolve. And so this woman, she went on to graduate first in our class and to serve a church in Washington, D.C., Now, I share that story with you because it has striking similarities to Jonah's story. We've been hearing and learning a lot about Jonah from Pastor David over the past several weeks and how Jonah continuously ran from God's call and how he too experienced some uneasiness, some restlessness as he found himself in the middle of a violent storm and then in the middle of the belly of a whale. And Jonah is not the only one throughout Scripture that heard God's voice calling him and initially tried to run from that call. Jeremiah was another prophet of the Old Testament who expressed great hesitation and reluctancy about what God was calling him to do. At the very beginning of the book of Jeremiah, we hear about his call story. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. Jeremiah literally responds to God's call with an objection, saying, I do not know how to speak, even though I am speaking. And I am too young. He cites his age as a reason as to why he can't answer God's call. God, however, was not going to let Jeremiah off the hook, and he was not going to let Jeremiah's age stand in the way. Verse 7 says, But the Lord said to me, 'Do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to, and say whatever I command you.' So essentially, Jeremiah did not have a say in the matter. God had every intention of making Jeremiah do what he wanted him to do and to get the work done that God needed Jeremiah to accomplish. And it just so happens that the work that God was calling Jeremiah to was not very fun work. Jeremiah was called to confront a corrupt political system and to address an immoral society that really didn't want to hear what he had to say. And so he would end up having to pay dearly for his willingness to speak truth to God's people. He would be beaten and imprisoned. He would be thrown in a well. And besides the physical suffering that Jeremiah would endure, he would agonize over a nation that wouldn't respond to the salvation that God was offering them. He would beg for his eyes to become fountains so that he could weep and weep for his people whose choices were taking them further and further away from God. In God's consolation for all of this, for carrying out the work that God was asking him to do, was a series of affirmations. There's a series of affirmations that occur later on in the book of Jeremiah where God says, You were designed for such a moment. I created you to endure, to thrive to thrive in situations in which you have now found yourself. Essentially, Jeremiah's call story and God's interaction with Jeremiah, they show us that we are all created for a reason, that each of us has a skill set that we are to put to use so that we can carry out the kingdom, the work of the kingdom. As Christians, we should be encouraged by this. We should be encouraged in knowing that we too have been created with divine intention. We were created for certain places, certain times, and certain events. One old preacher said, We were created on purpose, for a purpose. God knew long before we did the kind of mess that our world would end up in, and He knew how we would be part of the solution. And for that reason, he has created us in a certain way, gifted us with particular attributes, specific characteristics, in order to serve his kingdom in our world with the greatest effectiveness. So what stops us from carrying out the work of the kingdom at times? Much like Jeremiah, we usually have a litany of reasons as to why we can't do what it is that God is asking us to do. Oftentimes, we have reasons like we are overextended with tasks already, that we couldn't possibly juggle one more thing. Or perhaps what God is calling us to do doesn't sound fun or appealing. Going hiking, going on vacation, that sounds way more fun than volunteering. Or perhaps we feel like we've already done enough. We've given our time. We've given our resources. We've used our talents to serve God already. So now it's someone else's turn. It's time for the younger generations to line up. I attended a conference at First Presbyterian, uh, Sarasota. So in Sarasota, Florida, a few years back and the head pastor there, Glenn Bell, he preached a sermon on this topic. And during his sermon, he talked at length about how we are called to do certain things as Christians. There are certain tasks that we are asked to carry out. And he talked about the importance of carrying out those tasks, especially in our day and age where our society is becoming more and more secular. And towards the end of the sermon, he made a comment that made me cringe in the pew. And it made me cringe because it was so honest. But it was so direct towards his parishioners. He said, Now I know many of the inhabitants of Sarasota have moved down here and populated the area because they've transitioned into retirement. The weather is warmer down here, it's more pleasant. We have one of the most beautiful beaches, Siesta Key, and also some of the most beautiful golf courses. He said, So I get why people move down here to retire. But what I don't get is why people feel like they can retire from doing the work of the kingdom and carrying out God's will. He said you can retire from your career. You can retire from the day-to-day worldly tasks. What you can't ever retire from, though, is your job as a Christian. There is always work to be done. There is more that we can be doing to further God's kingdom here on earth so that people can hear and receive the gospel. In an article called Finishing Well, it was featured in the Huffington Post, written by Billy Graham, and he discussed this topic on retirement. He said, Old age has its challenges. It's not for wimps. But God wants us to embrace it as part of his plan for our lives. And to look for the Lord's purpose in every circumstance and in every face or voice that we encounter daily. He said God doesn't want us to waste our latter years or spend them in superficial, meaningless pursuits. Instead, he wants us to use them in whatever ways we can to influence those who will come after us. He wants us to finish well. And one of the ways we do this is by passing on our values and our faith to those who will follow after us. If we turn to the stories of the Bible, we find example after example that people who later in life, in their golden years, so to speak, went on to do some pretty important and influential things for the kingdom of heaven. For instance, when Abraham set out with his people for the land of Canaan, we're told that he was already 75 years old. At the ripe age of 80, Moses led his people out of Egypt. And Joshua at the age of 80 succeeded Moses to become the leader of Israel. In the New Testament, we find a story where Jesus is in the temple. He's being presented to receive the blessing from the elders. Well, Simeon and Anna are there. Anna was 84 years old. And she was so certain of her calling that she never left the temple. She was there to worship, fast, and pray day and night. Turning to our secular world, there is a multitude of people who later in life did some pretty great and wonderful things. One of those being Duncan Hines. At age 55, he wrote his first food and hotel guide. At age 73, licensed the right to use his name to the company that developed Duncan Hines' cake mixes. Charles Darwin, he was 50 years old before he published On the Origin of the Species in 1859, the book that espoused the theory for which he is best known today. Colonel Sanders, the original founder of KFC, he franchised the company back in 1952 at the age of 62 and would later sell the company for millions. Harry Bernstein, author of The Invisible Wall, a love story that broke barriers, started writing his book when he was 93 years old. He had encountered an unbearable loneliness when his wife passed away. And so that served as the catalyst to start writing this book. It was published when he was 96 years old. And Gladys Burrell, I don't know if you all have heard of her, but she was an incredible woman. She was an aircraft pilot, She was a mountain climber, hiker, horseback rider, but these are not the things that she was known for. She had her first marathon when she was 86 years old, and she became famous after completing the Honolulu Marathon at the age of 92. The moral of the story, we are never too old, or in Jeremiah's case, we are never too young. We are never ill-equipped or incapable. We are all known and by God to do specific tasks, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our ailments, regardless of age. And God will supply all that we need to fulfill that calling. Much like how he supplied Jeremiah with the words that he needed, he equipped Jeremiah so that Jeremiah could speak on God's behalf. Verses 8 through 10 It says, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I point you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. God literally put his hand on Jeremiah's mouth and gave him the words that he needed so that he could be God's mouthpiece. God equips us with exactly what we need so that we can carry out the work that he's calling us to do. All of us have something in common with Jonah. We all have something in common with Jeremiah. We all wrestle with and at times resist God's call. Sometimes it is hard to do what it is that God's calling us to do to pick up the phone and call the person that we should be calling or to forgive the person that needs to be forgiven. Or giving up time and energy on a Saturday to build a Habitat house because we're so exhausted from taking care of our families and working full time. There's a whole list of reasons as to why we resist God's call and why we put it off for another day or ask someone else to do it. But in just the same way that God responded to Jeremiah when he attempted to dodge the work of the kingdom, that is God's response to each of us. He gently whispers to us, For I knew you before you were ever even formed in the womb. Before you were ever even born, you were consecrated. You were appointed to do certain work for God's kingdom. Or in other words, we were created on purpose. For a purpose. And with that knowledge in mind, it then becomes up to each of us to answer in the affirmative when God calls. It is up to each of us to become the person who God created us to be. And it's through such action of answering God's call that that uneasiness, that restlessness starts to dissolve, and we experience peace and bliss and joy. So the lasting question for each of us to ponder this morning and this week, what has been your objection to God? Too young, too old, ill-equipped, too tired. What stands in the way of answering God's call? Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.